I said, are y'all ready to get in the Word this morning? Now, I need, to, I need you to know before I get into the Word this morning, there are not a lot of notes on my papers today. Because as we dealt with last week, as we started to deal with fear, I didn't realize what a epidemic it was in believers. Fear is a monster. Can I get an amen from somebody? How many of y'all in this room ever battled fear or had an issue with fear? Now, some of y'all are not going to raise your hand because you're not a participant when I do group participation. You're like, I'm not raising my hand. So I'm going to try this again, not to call you out, not so that you can know I'm super spiritual and I've, I've never had fear in my life. Can I just say this to you? I am 42, almost 43 years old, and I have battled fear on more occasions than I care to admit to, but yes, I have battled fear. So can, can you join my club for just a second? How many of you in this room will join your pastor this morning and say, I- I've had moments of some fear in my life. Can you just wave it at Wave, Wave your hands in the air, you know, wave them like you just don't care. Come on, like, like really be honest about it. That's me, pastor. I've had some fear. It's so funny to me sometimes. Like, no, I'm, I'm not going to say I've had fear because I'm not going to confess those things with my mouth. Like God doesn't know you dealt with it. Okay, sidebar. But, but we've all had moments that we've dealt with fear, but here's the thing of it. Sometimes we'll overcome the moment of fear, but we will not destroy the root of fear. So the root is there, but we've cropped off the top of it, buried it over with our spirituality. And yet it's sitting there waiting for the right moment to stick its ugly head up again and go, but I still have root in you. And so what God started dealing with me is is that we don't need to deal with the flowers and the plant of fear. We need to start digging to the depths of fear and uprooting the thing so that fear cannot have its way in the life of a believer. And I'm going to say this to you. If I have faith in God, then I cannot in this mortal body operate in fear because faith and fear cannot exist simultaneously because one is light and one is darkness. Amen. And so the Bible says, uh, we, we started this last week where we, we were talking about what fear was because I felt like we needed to expose what fear was rather than just be afraid of fear, right? And, and then I needed some people to realize that fear was actually something that we were intimate with. Fear was actually something that we invite into our worlds. Fear is something that we actually long for. Just ask the people that are so pumped about October 31st. Can't wait to get my ghouls and goblins in my front yard. I can't wait to put my witches and my warlocks in my house and wonder why my children can't go to sleep at night. I'm so pumped about this one day where we celebrate All Hallows Eve, which is Sawin, which is witchcraft. But I'm so pumped because, man, I like to be afraid. But the Bible says that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. That God has not given you the spirit of fear. So if the spirit of fear is in your life, then who did you get it from? Who, where did you pick it up? Where did you place it on the inside of you? Why is it? Because we have been cultured to live in fear rather than faith. Why is it so much easier to believe the world than it is to trust God? Why is it so much easier to declare your problems than it is to declare your promises? Work with me for a second. It is so on the tip of our tongue to tell the world what we don't have rather than to tell the world what we do have. We are so quick to tell the deficiencies of our existence rather than to declare the fulfillment of our Father. And God says, look, there comes a point where you got to shut this monster down and you got to dig to the bottom and uproot that thing. And so last week, we started to not only define but expose fear as a spirit. Because in order to conquer fear, you must confront it. And in order to confront it, you got to know it and understand it. 
Fear is not just something that comes. Fear is something that breathes and lives. The Bible declares it is a spirit. In other words, it has a persona. It is something that we are connected to. But if you didn't hear last week's message, I would encourage you to go online and listen to it and hear it and let it expose the fear in your life so that you can begin to conquer it. But starting today, I want to start giving you the tools, not just the tools, not just the weapons for warfare, but the tools that will carry you right out of fear and into your greatest days of faith. I need to give you these things. These are the pieces that God has given me over these last few days. And I've got three right now, but I have a feeling it's going to be four, maybe even five. And each week I'm going to deal with one. So you ready? Come on, y'all working with me this morning. Y'all don't make me outshout you today. I said, are y'all ready this morning? Y'all know I like interactive church. Come on. Back when I was a youth pastor, I used to throw water on the teenagers. Don't make me do it. Just have one of those slip-ups. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Psalm. Book of Psalm. And while you're turning with the book of Psalm, if you want to read how to break fear, read Psalm. You want to know why? David was fearless. I don't know if y'all get that yet. David, David was a bad mamma jamma. He was. David, do y'all know David cut off the head of Goliath and then walked Goliath's head into the camp of the Philistines? Like, hey, do it again, and this will be the fate of all of y'all. David was bad. And, and David had moments. David had struggles. David even had fears. But David did some things. And as I've been studying this, I keep finding myself back in the book of Psalm. Over and over and over. It keeps going back and back and back. And so I want to give you this first one. You got Psalm 34? This is the title scripture to this message today. And it says this. You ready? If you underline your Bible, underline this. This is a good one. I sought the Lord. Stop right there. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my I sought the Lord. I begged and cried and whimpered and kicked the dirt. No, I sought the Lord. And watch this. It says, and he what? He heard me. Do you understand it? When you seek, he shall find. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Now watch, I got got to take on a sidebar for this for just a second. Because a lot of times we seek the Lord only wanting the answers that we want for ourselves. Seeking God does not mean you get what you want. Seeking God means you get what he wants. And you're willing to adhere and listen to what he wants to speak over your life. David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. What do you think David was seeking the Lord with? He was bringing his petitions before God. He was laying himself before God. And he says, and then in that moment, God delivered me from all of my fears. In other words, his plan for me was not to be in fear, so he delivered me out of my fears. You notice he didn't say, David didn't say, well, he took me out of the cave and then placed me on a mountaintop and said, you are great, David. He said, no, he said he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Watch this. When you're in fear, what do you seek? Attention? Sympathy? Cohorts? Friendships of other people that are in fear too? Because, you know, misery loves company. Hey, it's funny to me because it's like I will talk to some people sometimes and, and they'll be in this mode and, and I'm not in this mode. And so I say things that are outside of the mode and then they get mad at me because I say things that are not comforting to where they are. 
And I'm like, well, if you wanted me just to be yes, man, you shouldn't have asked me. You should have just told me what you wanted to tell me. And then I've just been like, okay. But you asked me, you, you sought me out. You wanted to bring it to me. And it's my responsibility if Christ dwells on the inside of me to not allow you to continue to live in that space because that's not the spirit God gave you. God gave you a better thing. And so let me get you to the better thing, the love, power, sound mind, not the spirit of fear. Let me bring you out of one and place you into another. Let me walk with you till we end up in this thing together. But so many times we are seeking fear. Pastor, I don't seek fear. Yes, you do. Because your thought life is your walk life. Uh, well, here it comes. The Bible says, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. Now, he that believes, it means it starts with the mental thought. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. So in other words, my operation, as I act out through my day, it starts with my thought, obtains to my heart, and then it reflects out of me, right? Any of y'all keeping up with me so far? So my thought life has to change, right? So if I think, if, if my thoughts are on fearful thoughts, and I'm going to go back to the story I used last week with my daughter who goes out and plays in the street and everybody goes, you better watch your kids. Somebody's going to kidnap them. Then take your Bible, right? That says that God's hand will be on every generation. Take the blessings of Abraham off your life. Seriously, look at, read your Bible. Watch what God declared over the blessings of Abraham. The Bible says that we're descendants of Abraham. Can I get amen from somebody? I'm just giving you biblical theology. And so we're, we're descendants of, so the same blessings that are on Abraham are on me too. Okay, and so if God gave a protection over Abraham and said all of your families, 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 families will be blessed. They'll be protected. So when my daughter goes outside to play, it doesn't mean I let her go outside with ignorance and stupidity, but I do not let her go out with fear in my heart. Because here's what will happen. My fear will limit her joy. And once I limit her joy, then the spirit of fear that is on me will become on her. Where the Bible says the sins of the father will be upon the sons and the daughters. Here's the truth of it. We are operated by fear. Why? Wait, we see a storm coming off the coast of Africa and we think we're all going to die. It's off the coast of Africa. It's not even in the Gulf, Jack. Man, we got to go buy 72 cases of water and take all the bread off the shelves as if there's some kind of bread shortage in the country. This last hurricane, my wife went to the store right before Hurricane Sally just to pick up a few items. No bread. <laughs> Toilet paper, paper towels for days. No bread. Like, what is going on? Are we like making 50 billion sandwiches tomorrow? What is the foolishness? Because everybody's afraid that they're going to lose. So they run to the stores. People don't run to the stores to buy stuff during a hurricane because they have faith that God will sustain them through the hurricane. They run to the stores and buy stuff because they're afraid that if they don't get there fast enough, they might be without. That kind of sounds like how we treat God all the time. We show up to God, we visit God, we come to church from God, and, and, and we, 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 come with this, we come with this perspective of that if I, if I don't get in, I might miss it. I might not get it. God, God might withhold it from me. What kind of God do you serve? God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries for itself. He says, if I'll sustain the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, won't I do the same thing for you? But yet the birds will go and fly in a storm and we go crawl up in a hole and go, we're going to die. Have you ever watched birds? Watch birds during a storm. They're, they enjoy it. They're like, ooh, this is cool. I, I was watching, uh, I pulled up a video during, during, during Hurricane Sally. I wanted to see what was happening on the beach in Florida. And I, I pulled up this video, and of course the camera's shaking, and the waves are crashing, and I'm looking, and there's like 10 or 12 birds just kind of hanging. Just, woo, they're not going anywhere. They're just hanging out. And I started to think about that for a second. 
how much boldness do they have? Like, how much understanding do they have? That, that even in the midst, they know it's a bad storm. They can sense it's a bad storm. But they have the boldness to just jump out there and be like, hey, let's go hang out. And we're like batting down the hatches. We're all going to die. The world is over. We're never going to survive. It's amazing that birds don't care, but we do. Birds just are chilling, and we're panicking because we think the end of the world. And this is how we treat God all the time. We don't operate in faith. We are bound by fear because, in all honesty, we believe fear before we believe faith. Can I just say this for the church as a whole? Faith is a byproduct once we finally get tired of fearing rather than faith being the thing that cancels out fear. Does that make sense? We go into fear, and then we beg God to give us faith. Think about it, what we do. Oh, God, I'm so afraid. God, help me. God, oh, God. And God's going, really? I already gave you the tool to overcome fear, but you chose fear first. You sought fear first, and then you want me to bail you out of your fear. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes God delivers us, and sometimes God says, hey, you're going to ride that one for a minute because I need you to understand you don't need to go back to this. I'm going to let you kind of ride this thing out. And you go, God, forsake me. God, quit on me. No, he's teaching you. Don't you love the father side of God that allows you to walk through things so that you learn rather than just be rescued from every situation? Somebody called me one day and said, Pastor, my son went to jail. What should I do? Leave him. Somebody might in this room have been to jail. That's so wrong. No, no, that's what my dad did to me. It was the greatest thing he could have ever done for me. Leave him. Let him realize he doesn't want to be there anymore. And I didn't want to be there anymore. But here's the truth. At the end of the day, we've got to stop seeking fear. We've got to stop walking for fear. We've got to stop believing for fear. Okay, anybody ever have like a, uh, I get them sometimes, but you might have like a, a little chest ping or, or your, your, your arm might hurt and you go, ah, I'm dying. My heart's about to stop. <laughs> and you never realize you just ate a bunch of gassy food. And you're like going, you got to go to the hospital. I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. I'm going to die. When I went and had my gallbladder taken out, I wasn't concerned. When I had my heart surgery, I wasn't concerned. I, I, I had to trust God. I had to fear not, not fear less. I had to seek faith rather than seek fear. I, I know there's an element of fear to having massive surgery, but at the same time, I'm going to seek God in the middle of this thing. We've got to seek God. The definition for a seek is to try to find by searching, to look for, to obtain or acquire, to try to find by searching, to look for, to obtain, or acquire. Now watch this. If you have to seek fear, that means you have to go looking for it. It doesn't come looking for you. Does that make sense? Fear is found. It's not delivered. Fear is found. It, it, it's something you choose to pick up. It's something you choose to, to walk with. No, Pastor, it's, it found me, and, and I couldn't escape it. Yes, you could have. I'm going to prove it through Scripture that you could have. You could have. You chose not to because it's easier to be bound than it is to be free. I, I use this. Uh, um, uh, it's like institutionalized people who are in jail. Uh, they will get out of jail and then go back to jail sometimes. They will get delivered from jail and then find themselves. And, and they'll tell you, I didn't know how to function in the real world. So I committed another crime to put me back in a place that would govern my box because I don't know how to operate in that environment. I know how to operate in this environment. 
And sometimes we do the exact same thing. We are institutionalized in fear. And the moment we get a little bit of boldness of faith, all of a sudden, we have a t- sometimes we have a tendency to allow fear to creep back in and we pick it back up like it's our lost child. Oh, I love you, fear. I've been missing you, fear. I, I, look, I'm sorry I walked away from you. Welcome back. And then we spend our Sundays trying to overcome fear rather than expand our faith. Think about this. Uh, the culture of the church today is more about fixing rather than growing. Think about it. We come to church so that we can fix what broke during the week. We, we act like we're run-down pintos. Y'all know what I'm saying? Instead of understanding that we're mighty, we're powerful, we're, 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 a, fast in, we're a fast car. I don't know what car you want to use. I, I would say one car, but they don't like that car. Uh, whether it's a Ford truck, and you go, found, or, found on the road dead. That's what Ford stands for, Pastor. Uh, or, 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 or you're a Ferrari. That's a, that's a foreign European car. I don't like European cars. I don't like American made. Okay, whatever it is, whatever it is you like, that, that's what we were created to do. But sometimes we walk into the church like busted down, broke down pintos and saying, God, be the mechanic of my life. Can I just say this to you real, real quick? If you went to the mechanic on a Monday, you wouldn't have to do it on a Sunday. Can I get an amen from Sean in the back? Come on. Can, can, I'm going to use Sean just for a second. Sean owns an automotive shop down the road. Can, listen, when your engine starts tinkering and dinging and making stupid sounds, take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Stop going, hopefully it'll go away. Right. Let somebody, because you might fix it before it breaks. As opposed to, oh, well, now the whole car's broken. And then we live our lives like this. Come on, work with me for a second. We wait for everything to be broken. Okay, watch. My gallbladder had to be taken out because I didn't take care of myself as a young person. Amen? My heart issues happened, and I'm going to be honest with you, because I didn't take care of myself as an adult. I put stresses on my body. I did things. I'm not going to blame the devil for that. I'm going to say, hey, Brian, stop being stupid. Fix your mind so that your heart can be affected so you can understand what life really is, and then you can reflect that life the rest of your living space. Do you see where I'm going with this? So we've got to get to a point where we seek God. What does it say? It says says the definition of seek was to try to find by searching, to look for, to obtain or acquire. Can I ask you this question? I saw it in the beginning how many of you have dealt with fear, but there are some of you in this room that got fear in your right pocket. Well, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. I love it in church. Church, for most people, is the greatest time to balance their finances. Y'all think I don't know? Y'all, I'm elevated. I can see what half of y'all are doing. I've seen it for years. I remember back in the day in the church when I was young, I used to watch people. I watched people I knew break out the checkbook and start balancing the checkbook during service. Because they had to figure out how they were going to pay the bills or figure out how they were going to do this. And they couldn't even receive from God because they were too busy fearful over the finances. They were in fear over their finances. The Bible says that God gives you the power to obtain wealth. Watch this. The word power is defined as innovative and creative ideas. God gives you the power not to be rich, but to obtain wealth. He gives you the power to be sustained and provided for. He gives you the power. And and if he does give you extreme wealth, it is not so you can run around and tell everybody how wealthy you are. It is so that you can bless others and help others. Can I get an amen from somebody in the church? Okay, so the truth be told is at the end of the day, if God gives me these things, watch. He says he gives me the power, but he doesn't give me fear. Can I just tell you this? 90%. No, I'm going to say this a bit boldly. 100%. Oh, here it comes. Pastor, I'm going to 100 today. 100% of your lack is 100% of fear in your life. Come on, Pastor. You didn't like that one. 
100% of your lack is 100% of fear existing on the inside of you. So when you start to say, I don't have this and I don't have that, I'm going to tell you right now, you have a root of fear and you need to uproot that sucker. Because in God, there's nothing I can't have in his will. Oh, I added that piece. Because some of y'all want to buy, well, I want a new house. I want a big house. But that's not the will of the Father for you. The will of the Father is to give you something different that you didn't see coming. It's like this. You know, back in the day when people say, the, back in the church, we used to have this thing called name it, claim it. Anybody remember those days? You used to go to the car lot, lay hands on the car, and believe God for that car. Go pick a picture of the house that you want and post it on your wall, your dream board. Some of you, some of you people know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Some of y'all feeling convicted right now. I got a dream board, Pastor. Oh, God, I thank you for this house. Oh, God, I thank you that you'll give me this house. And you can't even make your bed. And God goes, you think I'm going to bless you with that? I can't, even, I can't even get you to get up and pray in the morning. What makes you think you're going to get up and take care of what I blessed you with? In fact, if I give it to you, you probably wouldn't tell anybody that I blessed you with. You'd probably tell them you did it. Because you didn't seek me first. You saw you first. Maybe take some pictures, lay them out and say, hey, God, which one it is you want for me? And maybe if it's none of these, maybe you got something bigger. What if I told you that the prayers you pray are limiting God's movement in your life? Because you're naming, claiming rather than trusting and believing and seeking him first. To try to find by searching, to look for, to obtain for, acquire. Whatever you seek in your life, you'll find. I tell this people all the time, especially couples. If you want your spouse to be a liar, keep believing that they're a liar. They'll lie eventually. Because you'll find it. What you seek for, you'll find. If you're seeking heartache, you'll find heartache. If you're seeking broken down relationships, you'll find broken down relationships. And if not, you'll break them down. Because if you're looking for it, you'll create it. Because what you cannot see, you'll actually start manifesting. Because you believe it's got to be there. It's, it's just, it, there's, they got to not like me. They gotta, it's kind of like when you post something on social media and nobody likes your post and you think everybody hates you all of a sudden. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's aiming and people are looking down like, dang it. Yes, I know. I, I posted this three hours ago. I posted what I ate and nobody liked it because really not everybody cares. And it doesn't mean they don't love you. It just means that they just weren't on social media for the 52 hours that you were today. Sorry. It's just not the existence. I, I'm talking to more and more people every week that have stopped social media because they realize how much is robbing their lives. It's just, you're caught up in the space of seeking people. What's so-and-so doing? What's so-and-so doing? What's so-and-so doing? What's so-and-so doing? And if you use it for business or whatever, it's fine. But we, we, and then we, we find ourselves engulfed in other people's worlds rather than being okay with the one that God's given us. I love what Matthew 6, 33 says. This. It says, but seek ye first. The what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added. So if I have fear in my life, then I need to seek God first. I'm a fervent believer that fear only shows up when God has become second and is not number one. Fear creeps into my existence when he becomes the afterthought, not the forethought of my existence. Watch this. I can say this without any shadow of a doubt. Uh, I, when I was younger, I was cheated on by the girlfriends I dated. Can't get amen from somebody in the rooms that have been cheated on by somebody. Amen. Okay. I was like, I don't want to say nothing. Okay, I was. All right. I was cheated on by the girls I dated. And, and so when I started dating Tiffany, I started with a backheaded fear that this could happen. Anybody want to join the club yet? 
And so I would move bases on basis of trying to prevent that from happening, which limited my ability to love her to the fullness rather than, or love her to the fullness and started loving her out of my fear. Does that make sense? So then when we got married, uh, was it the first year in our marriage, I walked up to her one night and I said, I need to talk to you because God had been dealing with me on this. And I said, look, I said, I just need you to know for the last year, I've gone to bed every night with the fear that tomorrow morning you'll wake up and leave me because I was afraid that you're going to find out that I'm not what you wanted. And she looked at me with her loving Polish Italian face and said, babe, that's really stupid. (laughs) And I politely went, well, thanks. Love you too. But the truth of it was is, can I be honest with you? It was really stupid. And she was dead right. She's just raw like that. And she's like, babe, that's really dumb. I'm like, I'm not leaving you. I'm, not, I'm married to you. <laughs> Hello. Like, we're married. We have kids. Like, come on, slow down. And, and, and I'm, but, but it's my fear. But watch. I, I found myself in that moment trying to argue with her about maintaining my fears. But, but, but babe, don't, don't make light of it. It's my, this is just me. It's, it's my fear. No, it's the enemy's fear that you've accepted in your life to believe that the enemy, to, to believe that you're not going to have what God promised you. So you can either hold on to the seek the fear, or you can seek God. David said, I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from my fears. Your fear is a lack of seeking. Whatever you're fearing is a lack of seeking God first, his kingdom and his righteousness, his right way of doing things. I didn't say that you have to be perfect, but we should all desire that if God has laid a plan before us to seek that righteousness, that right way of doing things so that we are not found in ourselves, caught in a snare of the enemy to find us in a trap of fear. Watch this. If we walk in the kingdom, if we're seeking the kingdom, if we're seeking his righteousness, how much time do you think your mind and your heart have to fear? Now, I don't mean that every day of your life you got to get up and read 17 chapters of Scripture and go stand in your closet all by yourself because the Bible says hide yourself away in your closet and, and go and hide yourself in the closet and pray for 6.2 hours because then only God will hear me and only then God will listen. and only No, can you just wake up in the morning and acknowledge that he's in the room? And before you start complaining about your body aches, can you just give him praise first? Can you seek ye first the kingdom of God? and his Watch what God starts to do. Listen, I wake up in the morning with body aches and pains. I got injuries and stuff in my body that I've been dealing with for a long time. But I notice that when I wake up in the morning, and I, this is what I literally do. I wake up in the morning, whether it's me laying on my bed or me sitting up on the edge of the bed. And I literally, whether it's out of my mouth or in my head, I will say these words. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. When I take my first step, there's no body aches. Yeah. There's no pastor. Come on, you're being ridiculous. No, I'm not. And if there are, I walk to the shower. And as I'm walking to the shower, I'm declaring faith over, Father, I know that these things are happening, but I know you've got a bigger plan for me. So God, as I step into the shower, I'm going to believe that this pain is going to subside and that you're going to take it away. And what, Pastor, what if it doesn't happen in the shower? I step out of the shower. Father, I think as I step out of the shower, your, your power is about to manifest on my body and I'm not going to be in pain. And Father, I, what if it doesn't happen after you get out of the shower and you get dressed and you get in the car? I get in the car and say, Father, I thank you that as I'm getting into this car, your faith, my faith in you is enough for me and that you're going to work this day out and it doesn't matter what my body does. All I know is that you dwell on the inside of me and you have no plans for this body to be in pain. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to seek you first this morning. I'm not going to seek my pain. I'm not going to seek my complaints. I'm not going to seek my struggles. I'm going to seek you first. That doesn't mean that I do it perfectly all the time. You go, pastor, you're great at this. You're amazing. How do you do it? It doesn't happen every day. 
There are some days I slip up and God's going, hey, hey, hey. I don't know how he talks to you. This is how he talks to me. Hey, dummy. Hey. I don't get offended by those words. So, dummy, what are you doing? Yesterday you were fine. Today all of a sudden you're sitting over here whining, complaining like a sniveling baby. What is wrong with you? But God, it hurts. God's going, but am I big enough? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, whatever you're looking for is found after you seek. Stop seeking him when you don't have. Can I just say this to you as well? Stop seeking God to give you what you lack. Maybe he, you lack it on purpose. Maybe what you're asking, God, and here's the great part. I said it last week. I'll say it again. God's a gentleman. Whatever you ask for, there you go. You can have it. If you want it that bad, you can have it. I'm not going to fight you for it. God's not a fighter against you to keep you. No, he'll let you have it. And then he'll be close enough to you that when you finally get tired of it, he'll be right there to embrace you and go, thank you. Can we leave it alone now? But God doesn't keep me from it. No, you can't find it in the scriptures. You cannot find that God says, I will keep you from ignorance. He doesn't say it. He says, I'll be there with you. Low and high, I'll be right there with you. But I'm going to let you walk this thing out. But you're going to have to either submit to me or submit to the world. You're going to have to submit to faith or you're going to have to submit to fear. But you're going to have to choose. Watch this. Psalms, I'm going to read it one more time. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now watch this. After today, when you leave this place today and over the next seven days, if you choose not to adhere to this tool, do not come back in and go, I've still got fear, Pastor. Did you seek the Lord? No. Did you read the scripture? David said, I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all. He didn't say some, didn't say a few of, he said all. I love it when words are written in the Bible because I adhere to all of them. When it says all, I believe it's all for me. So if he's delivered David from all his fears, he'll deliver me from all my fears. But I got to seek him first. But look what it goes on in verse 10 of that same chapter. In 34, chapter 34, verse 10, it says, But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Hmm. So in other words, I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And if you go down, and I, I would encourage you, go read all of Psalms 34. It'll jack you up. It'll make you want to run around the house. But in, in verse 10, in the second part of verse 10, it says, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. But I need you to understand that when it says this, stop putting goods and possessions when it says good thing. Because here's what we do. But, the, Lord, but God, the Bible says, but if I seek the Lord, I shall not lack any possessions in my life. It's not what it says. It's not what it says. If you really read that space, it is referring to the goodness of God. In the land of the living. Not eternally. In the land of the living. So right now. Right now. In this earth. This is what he's saying. He's saying, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack the goodness of God where you are. Y'all, y'all, five of y'all aiming me. Y'all ain't catching this one yet? But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Goodness of God. From him in this lifetime, while you're breathing, while you're sitting there, there is nothing that you will lack. When I read that, I'm like, wait a minute. So the answer to me walking in the goodness of God is seeking God. That's it. Holy cow. All I got to do is seek him. And then, and then I'm going to walk in the good. Have you ever tried to outgive God? No, I didn't think so. 
Because you can't. Because you can't. You can't outdo him. Even if you tried, you can't outdo him. And so when God sees us and we see that we're willing to seek him and to seek after his plans and purposes for our lives, God says, I will withhold no good thing from you. And the Bible even says that every good and perfect gift comes from up above. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack the goodness of God. Can I give you another one? I'm trying to give you scripture this morning because I don't want to give you opinions. I want to give you word because I think this is the problem with our fear. We are tackling fear with opinions rather than fear with word. Okay, so go with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Book of Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 12. Well, you're not going to do 29, 11? No, because you know it already. For I know the plans I have for you, says Lord. Yeah, I hear you. When you got it, say, I got it. If you didn't, you bring your Bible, say, help me, Jesus, next week. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12. Are you getting anything out of this yet? Yeah. You feeling it the way I'm feeling it? Because, man, I want to run around the building right now. I don't know why I just feel it. I'm, maybe it was the worship. I don't know. But I just I want to jump and try a cartwheel. I'll probably break my arm, but it'll be fun. Amen. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, it says this. Then, 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 then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with what? Hello. So if fear is on the inside of you, you have given a portion of your heart to fear. You cannot seek the Lord God with all of your heart if a part of you is in fear. You are divided. A double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. You cannot live by faith and by fear simultaneously. They do not work together. Light can't go where there's darkness. Okay, so I've got to understand that if he says in the scripture, he says, and you will seek me and find me when you search with me with your whole heart. Watch this. Have you ever searched for God but felt like you didn't find him? Anybody want to work with me for a second? You ever prayed and you felt like maybe he's not home today? Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I'm just going to be honest. I've had those moments. I'm learning right now as I'm reading through this and as I'm studying this that it wasn't God's absence. It was mine. My heart wasn't completed in him it was completed in a bunch of other stuff and God says no you have to seek me with your whole heart stop giving me pieces stop flinging chunks at me saying God here I am God here I am here I am to worship no you're not you're filling a time slot on a Sunday morning that's not worship why do you think I went at the end of worship I said now you worship because worship's not the songs that we sing that are listed on the screen. Worship is something that dwells on the belly, on the inside of you, that in a moment when you're wanting to grab a hold of the presence of God, it bubbles out of you like a river of living water, and it sprouts out, and all of a sudden you're like, you find yourself just declaring the goodness of God. Even if your world sucks, God, you're still awesome. I still worship you. God, I, I just desire to worship you this morning. That's what he's saying. He's like, hey, at some point, you got to get beyond this. He says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Watch this. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Here it gets good. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, I read that scripture and I went, God, you mean you, you caused us? No, if you read the translation of it, it's he allowed you. God doesn't cast you. God lets you. <laughs> His allowance is separation. He says, I've allowed you to walk away in fear. He said, but if you'll seek me with your whole heart, if you'll seek me with your whole heart, 
I'll be found by you. If you come back to me with your whole heart, I'll be found by you. And when you do that, you will wonder yourself out of your captivity. Okay, prove it to you. Paul and Silas in the jail. Paul and Silas are in the jail. What did they do? They worshiped. That's a form of seeking God first. Right? They worshiped. What happened? The jail shook. Foundation of the jail shook. The door swung open. They went out. Here's the crazy part. They didn't just leave out. They, saved, they, they led the, the guard to Christ. So the things of God. And then led the whole family. And then they were all baptized that night. Here's what I'm trying to help you understand. Fear is limiting you from being a soul winner too. Well, Pastor, I'm afraid to talk to people. Okay, here goes my sidebar. Here it comes. Ready? The only reason we're afraid to talk to people is because we're afraid to let God talk to us. Because when we won't allow God to speak to us, then we have a problem speaking to others. Because what we would see is God's perfection, God's production, rather than our mission. Well, I have to do this because I go to church. I have to do this because Christ lives on the inside of me. Oh, God, I got, I got to do this. No. I see them the way God sees them because he dwells in me. He's rescued my entire heart. My whole heart searches for him, seeks him, so that when I see others, it doesn't matter whether they're in sin or saved. It doesn't matter where, what, what stage of life they're in right now. They're still children of the Most High God, and I desire to tell them about him. I don't want to see them go to hell. I'm not okay with you going to hell. So i got to tell you about hell, and i got to tell you the promises of heaven, and I want to love you, and I want to lead you, and I want to encourage you, and I want to strengthen you, and I want us to finish this race together. See, here's the thing. We go, uh, that's not my responsibility. I, I, I don't. They're, they're just going to go to hell. Come on. And God goes, that's not my heart for you. So why would that be your heart for them? Yeah. Seek him first. He said, I'll gather you from all the nations and all the pieces, all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Listen, your fear creates captivity in your own life. And God's saying, I want to lead you out of it. But in order to lead you out of it, you need to seek me, not fear. Okay, can I give you another one? I only got a few more. Amen. Psalms 10, 1 through 4. I told you I got to give you scripture more than I give you my opinions. Psalm 10, 1 through 4. I hope you're writing this down. I hope you're underlining your Bible. I'm talking too fast. Amen. Because I got so much in me this morning. Psalm chapter 10. You got it? Say, I got it. She say, you're waiting on me if you're waiting for me to put it on the screen. Go ahead, say it. Waiting on you. Amen. Okay, got it. All right. Psalm chapter 10, 1 through 4, it says this. Ready? Here it comes. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecute the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. Watch this. This is what I was trying to get to verse 4, but I had to read all context. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. Read that sucker twice. The wicked in his proud countenance, countenance does not seek God. God. In other words, if you refuse to seek God, then you are walking and operating by a spirit of pride. And the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. Do you think that fear is not wrapped up in pride? In fact, pride is driven by fear. It's driven by fear because we want to look a certain way and we're afraid of what others might think. So we're driven. Fear, fear and pride work hand in hand. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Read what that says. I didn't make that up. I didn't put that in there just for the benefit of this sermon. It says the wicked in his proud. Pastor, why you got to be so, so like tough and, and mean? It's about the grace of God and the, and the peace of God and the joy of the Lord. Yeah, it is. 
when you start seeking God. Not when you seek fear. You cannot say, I'm in fear, and why don't I have joy? Why don't I have peace? Because you got fear, and you're living in it, and you've allowed pride to step in. Because let me tell you something. I'm, gonna, I'm editing as I go. Your inability to read your word and pray is a pride issue. That's I don't have time. It's not that you don't have time. You have a pride issue. You have a pride issue. Because it's your time, not his time. You have not found your heart in him. You're still trying to find your heart in you. God says, listen, if you desire me, you'll seek me. Because that which you want, you go after. Trust me, you're going to want lunch in just a few minutes. You'll go find it. You'll seek it. You'll acquire it. You'll obtain it. You'll devour it. Amen. What you, what you desire, you'll seek for. Don't tell me, Pastor, I just, my relationship with God is not growing. What are you doing? Well, I go to church on Sundays. So does the devil. Don't, don't tell me, don't give me your three points in a poem quotes from Sunday. Like, where did you seek God? Because can I just be honest with you? This, today, me preaching is about me seeking God. Does that make sense? Not, it's not about me. It's, it's what I've done to encourage you to go and seek does that make sense? You'll grow in these moments, but you should have a desire that this isn't enough. Hey, pastor, that was a good message on Sunday. I'm glad you taught us to seek God, and that's going to be a great tool to break fear. But now I'm going to have to go apply it. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go do it. Now I'm going to go have to go use it. So, hey, pastor, Monday morning I got up and I sought the Lord. Tuesday morning I got up and eh, I didn't do so good. That's all right. On Wednesday I got up and I sought the Lord. And, and on Thursday eh, I didn't do so good. But Friday, God, pastor, I got up and I sought the Lord. And Sunday was completely different this week. Because when I came into the house of the Lord, I didn't have to seek God. I came in with God. I wasn't looking for him to fix me. He had already diagnosed what was wrong and what I needed. And I'm walking in that diagnosis. So when I come into worship on a Sunday morning, I worship with my whole heart, not with the broken fragments of my heart, hoping that God will fix it. Why do you stand afar off? It says the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is none and is in none of his thoughts. Here's the last word for you today. You ready? Deuteronomy chapter 4. Give you the Old Testament, a little New Testament. We'll go back and forth. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Huh? Oh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. See, that, that, why you had to call me out like that? That's messed up. <laughs> Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all right then. I was still looking at my table of contents. Leave me alone. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Say, I got it. Here it comes. Get your pen out. But from there. From where? You can read context, but I'm going to choose to go from here. But from wherever you are, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Here comes verse 30. Here comes. Here comes. Oh, mine's reading differently. I don't know why, but that's okay. I'll read it from here. In the distant future, when you are suffering all these things, you will finally return to the Lord your God and listen to what he tells you. 
For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. Let me read it from a different version than I have here. I don't know how it got mixed up, but it did. But let me read it to you. It says in verse 30, it says, When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Seeking is not enough. Obedience is required. Because if you seek God, he'll speak to you. He said, you'll find me. He doesn't, he doesn't say, you'll find me so I can just stand there and look cute for you. He says, you'll find me so that I can talk to you. And while I'm talking to you, whatever I tell you to do, I need you to obey it because what I'm asking you to do is going to save your soul. I'm going to speak instructions to you and give you life because that's what I am, a life giver. But yet we spend our time when we seek the Lord and we get before God, we spend our time arguing with what God tells us to do. Uh, you know, there, there, uh, there have been times, and, I, and I'll say this with Jude in the room, there have been times as a dad that I haven't done everything great. There have been times where I've, I've said things to him that I know that might have hurt him a little bit. Might have been a little tough to swallow. And I thought I was right in the moment, and I thought, man, I, I, just, I just need to say it this way. And, and then I go off to my room, or I walk into the side of the house, and God goes, hey, go back and deal with that. Watch this. I'm a fervent believer that if I would not listen to God, seeking him first daily for my existence, not for my wife, not for them, for me, if I was not seeking God, I would not hear him to understand when there are moments that I need to correct because my flesh got louder than my faith did. And so God says, hey, Brian, I need you to go, go talk to Judah. And I need you to clear this up with him and help him understand your heart, not your opinions. And I, he'll tell you, there have been moments, has there not? There have been many times I've come to you and said, hey, can we just talk? Somebody asked me one time, said, how many times have you spanked your kids? I don't think he can count on one hand how many times I spanked him. Pastor, it says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I, here's what I learned, though. God talks to me. Therefore, as a father, I desire to talk to him. doesn't mean that it's wrong to spank your kid. It's wrong to beat your child, amen. But I've found for me, growing up in a house where abuse was prevalent, it's something I just desired not to do. So I found myself communicating to him. And it was a joke when we were a baby. I refused to do baby talk to my kids ever. If y'all if y'all do it, that's y'all. But, but that goo goo ga ga beep, 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 beep stuff, I just never did it to my kids. I literally talked to them like they were adults from the time they, like I would just ask them point blank questions. Hey, you want to go outside and play? And he's like two weeks old. Because I'm like, look, might as well just go ahead and get him ready, right? Just go ahead and get him ready. And so I, 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 I find myself communicating to him but here's the truth of it. A lot of my fears of parenting, or a lot of my fears as a son, came or birthed in me because there was zero communication between me and my father or fathers. I struggled with that, and then I thought, well, I'm just not going to communicate because I don't want to fail at it. And you ever do something or not do something because you're afraid you're going to fail at it? So you just don't do it. You think you're just going to fail at it. So I'm not going to even put myself out there to screw it up. I'm just going to not do it. And and then I find myself in moments where I make mistakes and, and I have to go back and, 
say, hey, can we talk? I'm like, okay, I said this. And I realize how that might, bro, my heart is not that for you. Here's what I'm doing, though. By seeking God and hearing from God, I'm able to go and relieve fear out of his heart. And not let that root take place in him. Let me, let me help you with something. God doesn't give you tools to this walk just for you. He gives you tools in this walk so that you might set others free while you're free. When you're free from jail, you have a desire for everybody to get out of jail. Amen. If you've ever been to jail, you don't want people to go to jail. You just don't. You're like, man, that sucks. I've been there. I don't like that for you. I want to see you not go back to that lifestyle. Right? And so it's the same thing. Once you've been, you've lived a life of fear, you, once you get free from it, you don't want to see other people be afraid. Like my son will not ride roller coasters. And, and, and what's funny is, is that I was deathly afraid of roller coasters until I was 21 years old. Can I tell you the story real fast, just real fast? My dad stuck me on Space Mountain. Y'all go, oh, that's a sissy ride. I was six, Jack. And as we're going to Space Mountain, he goes, you know this thing does loops, right? Now, you understand, I'd never been to an amusement park, never been anywhere. And my first roller coaster is Space Mountain. Beow, 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 beow. You think you're like flying down the thing and you're waiting because you're going to die. It's pitch black, you're going to die. Can't see anything, you're going to die right? And so I rode that. I was petrified. I'm shaking, getting off the ride at six years old. From that point on to 21, I never rode a roller coaster. And finally, one day I'm walking, we're, we're at Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida. And my brother wants me to ride a ride called Montu. And it's free feet. Like you're just dangling, right? And I'm like, no, nah, bro, you need to slow your roll. Brian doesn't ride roller coasters. He's like, look, I get it. But you don't need to be afraid of it. Just try it once. I promise you'll have a good time. And so I got on the ride went next to him and we're sitting there and he goes, listen, when we get to the very top and we go down, just scream like you lost your mind. I can do that. That thing hits the top, tick, 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 tick. And it goes silent. And I'm like, we're going to die. And he goes, you ready? I'm like, no, but okay. And that thing turns and it goes dead straight down. I'm like, ah! and I'm letting it all out. I rode that ride 10 times back to back that day because here's what was happening. Fear was governing my joy. And once I found the joy, I completely abandoned the fear. Then I said, what other roller coasters can we ride today? Because there's like five of them at Bush Gardens. And I'm like, let's ride that one. And then they put this other one called Quasi over there. That's like a wooden roller coaster. I'll never ride that one again. That one hurts, man. You used to bam, 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 bam all over the place. I thought I had broken hips by the time I was done. Uh, but, but I found myself enjoying the feeling and the freedom that came. It wasn't the roller coaster that brought me the joy. It was the lack of fear in my life that brought me the joy. I was no longer afraid or bound to the fear. I'm using this story to help you see that when you choose to seek God first, he will cause the fear in your life to be abandoned and rejected and you'll walk in the joy of the Lord and you'll find out how good this walk really is. Can I get an amen from somebody? Everybody stand to your feet.